Pastor Xavier Reese and living for the right priorities first. Too many Christians live a life without biblical priorities. Some neglect church until their children are gone. I've seen this. Others neglect church until they get a home. The home becomes a priority. Others neglect church until they get out of debt. That's why you're in debt, because you're not committed to the Lord. Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The simple truth of divine justice is that even in His judgment, God offers a path of grace. Today, Pastor Xavier examines the path of disobedience as well as the route to redemption by the guidance of His faithful followers. But the challenge to the church today is, what path do you choose to follow? Let's listen in for this important reminder contained in a message from the Old Testament book of Haggai. Why don't you turn to the book of Haggai? And the message is entitled, God Hears and Sees Everything. First, we have the courageous prophet Haggai in verse 1. Notice the man Haggai was a man like any other man. We get so caught up in thinking that God uses perfect people and some of these guys were just so far above us or unlike us. No, they were just like you and I. Fallen men and women, no different. Notice the man Haggai was given a message from God. The phrase, the word of the Lord, in all capital, that refers to the divine revelation of God. The mind, the will of God, made known to man to communicate to other individuals. That's the way God works. These were normal human beings that were called out. Haggai is given a title. It is that of a prophet. The word prophet appears five times to mean that he is the spokesman for God. Eight times he uses the formulas. Thus speaks or says the Yahweh of hosts. Notice he was the mouthpiece of Yahweh for the people of God. This was his primary function. Sometimes people think of a prophet, his primary function to reveal future things. No. The Bible says a prophet's primary function and response first was to be the mouthpiece of God. The kings, the priests, the people had gone astray from God. So God would raise up a prophet apart from the kings and the priests to call back the people of God. That's the primary function of a prophet. And often they would be killed for that. A courageous man. When this comes to Haggai, he's not confronting people that are friendly right now, okay? And then secondary, they would sometimes give future predictions. But the primary is to be the mouthpiece of God, to call people back to repentance, as we'll see. Jeremiah 1, 6 through 9, Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go, and all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So this was the courageous uh, prophet Haggai. Are you courageous for the Lord? Or, or do you cop out and say, well, you know, I don't like confrontation. Well, that's a cop out. You see somebody drowning in a pool, you say, well, I don't like water. Really? No. Out of love and compassion, you warn them, you pull them out of the fire. 
Notice now comes the carefree times of Haggai, so we understand the historical context of this. The prophetic return to Jerusalem by the Jewish remnant from Babylon had taken place after the decree of Cyrus, 536 to 37 BC. The prophecy and record of being fulfilled is given to us by Jeremiah uh, 25, 12, 29, 10, Ezra. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, very clearly fulfilled. They had gone into captivity according to God's word. They had now come back from captivity according to God's word. The leading man was Sheshbazar, the Babylonian name for Zerubbabel, who returned with the first captives, numbering about 49,897 in 536-37. The book of Ezra, chapter 1, verse 8, 11, 2, 2, and other verses in the book tell us. Very exact. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah, Joshua the high priest of Jerusalem. God is using these two individuals. God will use you if you yield yourself to him. But not everybody hears or responds, okay? God does not force you to serve him. God does not force you to be saved. The purpose of the return was to restore the national life of Jerusalem that centered on the temple, sacrifice, and worship. Ezra chapter 1, verse 5 through 11 is very, very clear. They were out of fellowship with God because of sin. God put them in captivity. God is now working on them all over again. The people contributed for the work as Ezra and others uh, record for us. Cyrus had given all the contributions of the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had taken in. I mean, God had gone before the people of God as he says he would. Now the progress since the return was exciting and encouraging. Seventy years, now they're going back. The people had built the altar, made the sacrifices, and celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. In the seventh month, Ezra 3, 1 through 7 tells us, they built booths according to the Feast of Tabernacles to demonstrate their gratefulness to God for providing in the wilderness. And they made sacrifice according to the law. So they were now in line with God all over again. But the people, two years after their um, coming, then they appointed the Levites and they finished the foundation of the temple and worship was expressed in an incredible way there in Ezra chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. The problematic opposition since they returned, you remember, was constant. The Samaritans wanted to be part of the building, but they were not allowed because their genealogy was impure. So they became adversaries at the building of the temple. They attempted to discourage the people of God in the work of God. The work had ceased for 16 years, and the people became indifferent, complacent, and, listen, materialistic. Ezra 5.1, Ezra 6.14. Now, the present time of Haggai was to command the people to repent from their complacency and lack of commitment to continue the work of God. God called Haggai, Zechariah, to stir up the nest by rebuke, exhortation, and promise. We find it in uh, Ezra again, 5, 1, 6, 14, and here in the first one. God gave Haggai four prophetic messages delivered in four months, September to December of 520 B.C. Four messages. Now, God divided his prophecy in a twofold division. Chapter 1, the stern rebuke to the people of God. God rebuked his people for their spiritual compromise. For indifference and complacency regarding the building of the temple. Very clear. Verse 2 will show us that. 
and for being overly concerned and absorbed with their own expensive homes while God's house was in ruins and neglected. Chapter 1, verse 4 will tell us that. Again, nothing wrong with a house, a car, money, or clothes, or anything. That's not the issue. The issue with that becomes the priority. That's what you live for. That's what you're seeking for. That's what you're putting before the Lord. That becomes a problem. Secondly is the sound exhortation to the people in chapter 2. God exhorts his people in their spiritual commitment. They're not to compare the present work of God with the past. They, they, it would hinder it. Chapter 2, verse 3. So I'm glad what God's in the past, but I don't compare things. Okay? I want to move forward. Very important. They were given two messianic promises. In chapter 2, verse 7 and 9, the future kingdom temple, the millennial kingdom. And the future part Zerubbabel will have in the preparation of the kingdom, which is interesting in chapter 2, verse 21, 23. Zechariah also mentions it in chapter 4, 9 through 14. They were to be holy and receive God's blessings, chapter 2, 14 and 19 says. He's calling for repentance. Get back in line. Get right with God. You see, God wanted the people to acknowledge the authority of God and repent. 39 times the name Yahweh appears, all capital letters, Lord. The phrase, thus says the Lord, appears 26 times in the 38 verses. The phrase, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, appears 14 times in these two chapters. The accusation is stated twice. Consider your ways, exposing their self-absorption, though they had returned to the land, they had not returned to the Lord with a complete heart. You come in the church? Always, but your heart's not here. God sees and hears everything. You go on through the motions, but there's no emotions, there's, no, there's, there's nothing there, it's just you go through it. Husbands go through motions. They've lost their love for the Lord, then they lose their love for their wife, and vice versa, right? Because you're no longer cultivating. It's just mechanics you're going through. Your heart's not there. Your heart's not there in church. Your heart's not there with the Lord. Your heart's not there with your family. Well, then what's going on? You're open for destruction. Nothing good comes of it. Nothing absolutely. Then Haggai answered and said in chapter 2.14, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord Yahweh, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. Wow, what an accusation. Their blessing would come through repentance in the building of the temple and the harvest. Consider from this day forward, twice he says, in chapter 2, 15 and 18. Mark what I've, what's been before. Now I'm going to bless you in your repentance. What a difference. What a difference. You know, there are window times that God gives to us. You know that. There are certain times that God gives to you and once they're gone, they're gone. Time to go to school, time for this job, or whatever it may be. Once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. Don't say, well, tomorrow. Well, ne- there might not be no next time. Might not be no tomorrow. Our lives like a vapor of smoke. God delivers, delivers us from the world, sin and death, ladies and gentlemen. We are excited knowing all that God has done. And He's cast our sins as far as east as the west, burying the deepest ocean, and He remembers our sins no more. Psalm 103.12, Micah 7.19, Isaiah 43.25, and 2 Corinthians 5.17. Wow, what exciting was that? David was excited that God had cleansed him completely. Are you still excited about that, or have you kind of just trivialized that? Some people are on fire, and they serve the Lord faithfully with all their difficulties and all that, and they keep going. They're a great example. Others just refuse to reckon the old man dead. 
And they walk more in the flesh and in the spirit, refusing to grow, develop, and mature, and just that hurt to their lives and many others. These are choices we make, ladies and gentlemen. And still others fall into complacency. They don't want to offend people, the cares and the comfort of the world ensnare them. And yet, they go to church regularly. Every Sunday, never miss. But Jesus always gets the second best and the leftovers of their life. Because their heart's not there. This is for me. This is for me to examine my heart. Not for me to just criticize. These were the carefree times of Haggai. Comes the complacent people confronted by Haggai. Verse 2 through 15. Look at verse 2. God rebuked the people by quoting the very words the people were saying about not being involved with God's work. It wasn't time to build the Lord's house, he says. The people there in verse 2 were allowing the culture to set the agenda of God. So that they were waiting for a more convenient time. Maybe they were saying, well, maybe how do we figure this out? Do we figure from 606 or we go back to 586? Where's the 70 years? And we think we're so chic and so clever in our little rationales, right? The people had become indifferent and complacent about spiritual things. Remember, Artaxerxes had ceased the work of the decree of Cyrus. False accusations by the Samaritans. But it didn't prohibit the building of the temple, only the city, Ezra 421 says. They could have built a temple, they didn't. So we can always excuse ourselves. Well, right now you know the Lord's telling me. I'm always, it's always amazing to me how people are so sensitive for God to call them out of ministry instead of in. You know, the Lord said, me just to sit down right now. Really? But it took you three years to find out that God wanted you in. We're very selective. Everything's to my benefit. Welcome to the flesh. 100% beef. Not one good thing in me. None. Notice verse 3 through 4. God exposed the motives of the people and their self-centered comfort rather than concern for spiritual life. Though they did not think it uh, time for the building of the Lord's house, they did not hesitate to build their own house with luxury. Listen to his words. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your uh, panel houses and this temple to lie in ruins? The references to the panel here is to the extravagance of luxury of their own homes while the ruined condition of the Lord's house. This is a form of sarcasm from God. It's a rhetorical question that has only one correct answer. It's no. Their comfort became their condemnation. The Samaritans didn't bother them to build their own houses. Only when they wanted to get involved with God's house. Wow, how illuminating. Solomon spent seven years in building the temple of the Lord. But he spent 13 years building his own house. Need I say anything else? Notice verse 5 and 6. God indicted them for just going through the motions, having returned to the land, but not to the Lord. Literally, set your heart on your ways when he says there to consider. A call to self-examination of motives and deeds in view that the years were up and God wanted to work through his people. Verse 6 God pointed out their lack of abundance and wages in proportion to their efforts. They sowed much, they reap little. Verse 6, they have meager provisions. They are like people who put their money into bags with holes. Been there? Look at 7 and 8. God told them to build a house of God. 
God again told them to consider their ways a second time in verse 7. God commanded them to go up to the mountains to bring wood and to build a house in verse 8. It's not a suggestion. The proclamation was to go like the Great Commission in your going. When you go, as you go. There's never been any doubt of going. The purpose was that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. We think God says, as long as I take pleasure and I'm glorified. No, 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 no. We've got it backwards. The temple was the center of national life. House of prayer. Notice 9 through 11, God revealed to them plainly that their meager provisions were due to him because they had neglected his house. He puts it together plainly. They don't get it. Look at verse 9. They failed to see their lack was related to their disobedience to God. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. Because of my house that is in ruin, while every one of you runs to his own house. Wow. He, he's ripping their heart open. Here you are. You said, oh, praise God, or this and that. Hey, the Lord's good. Now he says, this is where you're at. Wow. They forgot what the word of God has said. Look at verse 10 and 11. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew. The earth withholds the fruit. For I call the drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Nothing works without God, ladies and gentlemen. You can work hard and do all you can. It will not yield what God can give to you. Absolutely not. Now, I'm not here to preach prosperity. You know, how I'm, I'm not for that. Okay? But you work hard, you depend on God, and God will bless you. God will direct and guide you incredibly. Verse 10 and 11 quote the Levitical uh, passages of, of curses. Whenever you talk about God's chastisement, always read uh, Deuteronomy 28 for the curses and Leviticus 26. You have the blessings and curses in both areas. Uh, Deuteronomy 27 also. Always. God keeps His word. Now, this is a clear teaching in Scripture where God uses a lot of this as a form of discipline and chastisement through the book of Joel, Amos, Hosea, all of them. Micah will see it in Malachi also. As God chastens them by stopping the rains, the early, the latter rains, by not giving the substance. Notice verse 12 through 15, the people's response to God. Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant obey God through the voice of Haggai. Great, praise God. This is what he's looking for. Not looking for excuses, justification, but just repentance. They acknowledged it was God's voice. They acknowledged Haggai was God's vessel, sending him. But they didn't confuse the two. Too often people fall into the line where they start worshiping the pastor. The pastor's just a vessel. He used a jackass to speak through. We all qualify. They acknowledge God by fearing His presence, underlying that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is wisdom, Proverbs 1, 7, 9, 10. Absolutely. You know what's happened in the church today? People lost the fear of God. They lost the fear of God. Notice the exhortation to assure the people was, I am with you, says the Lord, verse 13. This is one of the shortest messages in the Bible, only seven words in English, four in Hebrew. Remember Jonah's message to Nineveh? Only eight words in English, three, five in Hebrew. The whole city repented. Look at 14 and 15. The enablement for the work is revealed to be God's doing. Don't miss this. God stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and all to enable them to do the work on the house of the Lord of hosts. 
their God. God begins with the leaders, then the people. Ties them together. God did the same as he enabled those in the tabernacle. Solomon. All of the people that we look at the scriptures. The date of their repentance notice is recorded. The 24th day of September, the people responded. 23 days after the first prophecy, chapter 1, verse 1. Now when should their repentance been declared? The first second after they heard it. It took 23 days. Remember Pharaoh? Called Moses after the frogs. And Moses, when you want me to get rid of them? He says, how about tomorrow? Tomorrow? What you want right now? We rather live in sin a little longer, misery, than right now. Spurgeon had this to say about commitment. I wish that saints would cling to Christ half as earnestly as sinners cling to the devil. If we were as willing to suffer for God as some are to suffer for their lust, what perseverance and zeal would be seen in all sides? People often neglect the work of God for their own pursuits, work, convenience. They justify themselves through their own words, but it doesn't hold any water in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. God hears every word. He knows what is true. Whoever seeks to save his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life for his sake, he shall preserve it. Luke seventeen thirty-three. Malachi puts it this way. Listen. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Malachi three sixteen. Is your name written there? Does God write your name down? Does he hear you brag about him? Depend upon Him? Worship Him? Or just are complaining? A self-centered life produces very little in return on every level because the priorities are not biblical. Too many Christians live a life without biblical priorities. Some neglect church until their children are gone. I've seen this. And they pour all their life into their children, basketball, soccer, and all that. Nothing wrong with that stuff, but they don't take them to church. They don't. And then after their kids are gone and they're lost, now the parents come to church. God help you. Others neglect church until they get a home. The home becomes a priority. Others neglect church until they get out of debt. That's why you're in debt, because you're not committed to the Lord. You're buying what you can't afford. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And gentlemen, I have to live by these principles too. I am one among you. One just like you. No different. People are called to an appointed task to please and glorify God. What has God called you to do for him? I don't know. You do. I can't tell you. Where do you fit in the body of the church? Ephesians 5, 15, 17 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Oh man, look at our days. They're bad. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5, 15-17. A God-centered life promises God's blessing, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you three verses from here. I am with you. Haggai 1, 13. Be strong. I am with you. 2, 4. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. 2.5 What do you need beside this? Nothing. Just a will to obey. That's it. That's all I need. These were the complacent people confronted by Haggai. Haggai's message to the people of God about their indifferent apathy. Characterized by these three things. So important. 
It applies to us also, ladies and gentlemen. The courageous prophet Haggai. Thank God for him. The carefree times of Haggai. Be careful. They're in our days too. And the complacent people confronted by Haggai. They repented. That's what God's looking for. Who's he talking to? His people. Not the pagan. His people. Pastor Xavier Reese and God's clear call for repentance and simple truths to live by from the minor prophet Haggai. Now you can request a copy of today's essential study, God Hears and Sees Everything, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now the title you'll be asking for once again is, God Hears and Sees Everything. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 